Good morning, my fellow patriots. I hope that you have a better today, better day today than you did yesterday. Today is Thursday, October 12, 2023. First of all, I want to tell you that I am having a horrible allergy attack today. I've been doubling up on my Allegra and I am still stuffed up and sneezing like crazy. So bear with me as I try to talk to you guys about some stuff happening going on here and around the world. So, I have heard that Egypt warned Israel. I guess they warned them that Hamas was planning something big a few days before it happened. I have heard that it didn't make it to the Prime Minister. I have heard that senior security sources are denying reports that such a warning was even issued. We will probably never know for sure at this point. I don't know if that is something we should even dwell on, whether there was warnings or not, whether Israel knew it or not. It doesn't change how things are right now. We can't go back and fix it. We just need to keep going with the information that we have. We need to support Israel and not point fingers as to how they handled information that they may or may not have gotten. As of the last count that I heard, we have lost 22 Americans and 1,200 Israel, and there are 20 Americans unaccounted for, possibly being held hostage in Hamas. First, the war in Israel. Sounds like paragliders have been coming into northern Israel from uh, Hezbollah, a terrorist group from Lebanon. They also fired anti-tank missiles into Israel. In answer, Israel has sent tens of thousands additional units to the northern border. I've also heard that Israel's getting cyber attacks, but they say they have one of the best cyber securities on the planet. So they're on top of those attacks. I don't know if any of you seen John Kirby talking on Wednesday. He circled around a lot at his press conference. He definitely wanted to make it clear to Israel that we are with them, but at the same time refuses to talk about Iran's involvement. And it isn't just him. It's the entire White House. They won't admit that Iran is involved in funding Hamas. I think they know that once they admit it, and they are going to have to do it at some point, since I'm sure evidence is going to come out that Iran is involved, then the White House is going to have to shelter some of the blame for this attack, and they don't want to do that. I did mention on yesterday's episode that Iran makes a lot of money from selling oil because the Biden administration will not enforce sanctions. They earn about $40 billion in selling oil. Kirby also stated that um, in his press conference that we will continue to send aid to the Palestine people. I wonder how much aid and money that this administration has sent to Palestine. And doing so, did the Palestinian people get it 
or did Hamas? I have a feeling that the Biden has been funding Hamas ever since he came into office. Have you heard of the Taylor Force Act? If you haven't, let me explain it to you. The Tyler Force Act is an act of the U.S. Congress to stop American economic aid to the Palestinian Authority until the Palestinian Authority ceases paying through the Palestinian Authority Martyrs Fund to individuals who commit acts of terrorism and to the families of deceased terrorists. The act was signed into law by U.S. President Donald Trump on March 23, 2018, which will cut about a third of U.S. foreign aid payments to the Palestinian Authority. On August 24, 2018, the United States cut more than $200 million in direct aid to the Palestinian Authority. The Anti-Terrorism Clarification Act of 2018, passed by Congress and signed into law by Trump on October 3, 2018, came into force in February 2019 and allows Americans to sue the U.S. courts, those receiving U.S. foreign aid over alleged complicity in acts of war. The U.S. has stopped providing more than $60 million in annual funds for the Palestinian Security Services at the request of the Palestinian Authority because of the fear of such lawsuits. The stopping of funding for security services has raised some concerns. The bill was named in honor of Taylor Force, a native of Lubbock, Texas, who graduated from New Mexico Military Institute, a secondary school, and then West Point in 2009, he served tours of duty in both Afghanistan and Iraq. After completing his service, Taylor entered the Owen Graduate School of Management at Vanderbilt University to study for an MBA. He was murdered in Israel in 2016 by a Palestinian terrorist. At the time of his murder, he was visiting Israel as part of a Vanderbilt University study group. He was killed on March 8, 2016, in a terrorist attack by a Palestinian from the West Bank. It was a stabbing attack in Tel Aviv that injured 11 people. Because the killer died while committing an act of terrorism, the killer's relatives were paid a monthly pension equal to several times the average monthly Palestinian wage. The pension paid by the Palestinian Authority Martyrs Fund is part of the Palestinian Authority policy to pay a monthly cash stipend to the families of Palestinians killed, injured, or imprisoned for involvement in attacking, assisting in attacking, or planning to attack Israel, or for other types of political-inspired violence, including riots, violent demonstrations, and throwing rocks. There was a hearing 
set for September 27th, titled No Incentives No Incentives for Terrorism. U.S. Implementation of the Taylor Force Act and efforts to stop pay to slay by the U.S. House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee on the Middle East, North Africa, Central Asia, considered testimony on stopping Palestinian efforts to murder Jews. The pay-for-slay policy associated with the Palestinian Authority incentives terrorism by financially rewarding those who attack Jews and if killed in the process, financially rewarding their families. This hearing is important because the administration has been continually deviating from the spirit of the Taylor Force Act, ultimately forcing aid to the Palestinian Authority as a condition of a Saudi peace deal. Sander Gerber, a fellow and board member of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, said. Gerber pointed out that implementation of the Taylor Force Act requires annual reports to Congress regarding where pay for slay stands, but the U.S. State Department submits it with a classified annex to prevent distribution. Why do they need to submit it with a classified annex? What are they hiding? The only reason it would need to be classified is to keep the American people from finding out about it. But who preaches about transparency all the time? Lastly, he know the legislation urges the State Department to make known in international forums that the Palestine Authority is rewarding terror, and still, he said U.S. President Joe Biden and U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken still meet with the Palestinian leader and make no public statements of condemnation. Republican Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn suggests that a 2021 decision to provide $235 million in aid to the Palestinians may have also helped fund Hamas, a group that is designated as a terrorist organization by the United States and the European Union. In April 2021, the Biden administration approved plans to provide $235 million in aid to the Palestinians which included $150 million in humanitarian assistance for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency and $75 million in economic and development assistance in the West Bank and Gaza. I'm sure Hamas didn't get any of that money, right? I'm sure it all went exactly to the purpose that it was given. There is a federal judge in northern Texas that grant a review Tuesday that Biden potentially violated anti-terrorism laws by giving hundreds of millions of dollars to Palestinian groups. It orders that the administration hand over documents surrounding the risk of economic support funds being used to fund terrorist operations in Gaza and the West Bank rather than for humanitarian purposes. Representative Ronnie Jackson and the American First Legal Foundation 
first sued the administration last year when Biden announced he would start funding the Palestinian National Authority again, something that Donald Trump stopped pursuant to the Taylor Force Act. The lawsuit targets around $500 million Biden okayed when he became president. Biden also restored the $700 million that goes to the United Nations Agency in the region. Trump had pulled out of that as well. So with the threats being made to the U.S. by Iran allies, you have to wonder about all the people coming across our southern border, right? New York City is on high alert for a potential lone wolf attack. I heard that the anti-Israel protests in New York, they have spotted Hamas in the crowd. The FBI is stating that if you see something, say something. I don't know if they are hearing chatter, but I heard that Friday, October 13th, we need to stay alert and be aware of our surroundings. And before I move on something else, can I just point out that the mainstream media keeps calling Hamas militants. The Hamas militants this, and the Hamas militants that. But anytime they talk about January 6th, it is domestic terrorists. The guy with the horns in the Capitol, I know you guys all remember him. He didn't hurt anyone. He didn't hurt anything. He's a terrorist. But kill a thousand Jews and you're a militant. There is so much wrong with our country. So, I want to talk a little bit um, about Putin and what's going on with Russia right now. I seriously don't hear much right now with everything else going on in Israel. So I saw an MSN.com, and yes, I know it's mainstream media news, but I tend to browse all the news channels to get a variety of what's going on and different take on things. Anyway, Putin says 10-day deadline. For the first time in 30 years, Russia is talking of resuming nuclear testing. Putin announced they had tested a nuclear-capable cruise missile. As of Monday evening, Reuters reported that there has now been a 10-day deadline set by Putin for Russian lawmakers to decide on withdrawing from the CTBT, which is the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. Washington, D.C., says it's a threat to global norms if Moscow revokes its ratification of the treaty. In 1996, the CTBT was established to prohibit nuclear test explosions both above and below ground. The United States, Egypt, Iran, China, and Israel have all signed the treaty, but have not ratified it. India, Pakistan, North Korea have not signed the treaty. In the United States, the treaty is ratified only if it is signed by the president and then approved by two-thirds of the Senate. Last week, Putin said that unlike the United States, Russia both signed and ratified the treaty. All countries except North Korea have agreed to refrain from nuclear testing. Russia possesses the world's largest nuclear arsenal. 
according to Reuters, a Russian nuclear test could encourage other nations like the U.S. or China to follow suit, sparking a new arms race. The Guardian reported that Putin said, I'm not prepared to say whether we really need to conduct tests or not, but it's theoretically possible to behave the same way as the United States. He also added that no sane person could imagine using nuclear weapons against Russia. And I'll just leave that there. You can tell me what you think about Putin in the comments. Also, according to Reuters, Russia says it's talking to both Israel and Palestinians, and Putin blames failure of U.S. policy. Um, Putin on Tuesday said that the explosion of violence between Israel and the Palestinians showed the failure of U.S. policy in the Middle East, and the Kremlin said it was in touch with both the warring sides. Putin's spokesman said Moscow would seek to play a role in resolving the conflict, but did not specify how. Instead, Putin took the opportunity to blame the sharp escalation on years of U.S. policy in the region. I think that many people will agree with me that this is a vivid example of the failure of United States policy in the Middle East, Putin told the visiting Iraqi Prime Minister. Putin said the United States had sought to monopolize international efforts at forging peace and accused Washington of neglecting to seek compromises that would be acceptable to both sides. The United States, he said, had ignored the interests of Palestinians, including their need for their own independent Palestinian state. He did not mention Russia's own role in the Middle East peace process over the years. Along with the United States, the United Nations, and the European Union, it has since 2002 formed part of a quartet of powers charged with helping to mediate. Israel is pounding Gaza with the fiercest airstrikes in the 75-year history of its conflict with the Palestinians. In response to a wave of deadly Hamas attacks over the weekend, Moscow has said it is worried that the violence could escalate into a broader conflict in the Middle East. Since the latest crisis erupted, the Kremlin has sought to appear even-handed, underlying the strength of its relations with both sides. Moscow has long-standing ties with the Palestinians, including Hamas, which last sent a senior delegation for talks in Moscow in March but it also has a lot in common with Israel, including the fact that many Israelis are former Russian citizens, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said. Therefore, we maintain relations with both sides of this conflict. We conduct contacts and take part in all the unfortunately few formats that are looking for common ground for a settlement and which do not work very effectively, as recent practice has shown. But nevertheless, we intend to keep making efforts and play our role in terms of providing assistance to seek ways to a settlement. He said the Kremlin was trying to establish whether any Russians were among the dozens of hostages taken by Hamas. The necessary contacts are being made in order to understand whether this is true or not, 
and what the future fate of these people is, he said. He suggested by he said a suggestion by Ukrainian President Zelensky that it was in Russia's interest to stoke war in the Middle East to weaken global unity had absolutely no basis. This is a long standing conflict, the Palestinian Israel conflict, which has very deep roots, many deep contradictions, many people know the backstory, but it's so deep that not everyone knows. I just want to say something before I end this podcast, so stick with me for another minute or two. We need to pray for the people of Israel, for the people of Ukraine, for the people of Taiwan, the people of China, and the people of Russia, the people in the Middle East, the innocent people in all of this. The people in these countries can't control their government any more than we can control ours. You and I have been upset with our president and the things he is doing and has done. What can you do about it? Can you call him on the phone and tell him to knock it off? Neither can the people in Russia or the people in China or the people in Iran or Turkey. Can you just pack up all your stuff and leave the country that you've lived in your entire life? Probably not. Could you just pack up and leave and go to some country that you know nothing about? Think about how much the people in those countries probably know about the U.S., the real U.S., our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. Declaration of Independence. Do you think they teach that in schools in China? Absolutely not. People in other countries are told how bad we are and how awful we live and how evil we are. Do you think their government tells them that we have the freedoms that they do not have? You can't look at a country and say that everyone in it is bad. You don't know what they endure daily. You don't know what they are taught. We need to be praying for the entire world. We need to pray that God intervenes, that he sends his angels to fight for us against the evils that are trying so hard to come against us and against his land. Israel is God's land. They are God's people, and we need to stand with them. I hope that you are blessed today and every day, and God bless the USA and Israel. Thank you.